Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. This is our Southridge member podcast, helping everyone get the inside scoops on life around our church. And uh, I'm excited to uh, have this conversation today with Janessa Gallenkamp. Janessa, say hi to everybody. Hello. Uh, want to <laughs> welcome you here and uh, dive in right away just to learn a little bit about who you are. Um, you and I actually don't know each other even that well, but uh, I know a few of us around the church have now seen you in some Sunday morning online services, and I thought it'd be super cool if we could get to know you. And so that's kind of why we're here. So uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself, your background and, and all that stuff. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I'm Janessa. Um, I'm originally from a little place called Tiny or Midland, depending on how you look at it. Um, but my family moved to St. Catharines when I was like five. So consider it my home city. And I met my husband here and uh, we married for about three years. And right now we live in Jordan Station and I'm just loving life. <laughs> Uh, you and I, I think, first met back in the spring as COVID was hitting on uh, one of those virtual lobbies. Yes. We had the breakout groups and and uh, I was facilitating one of these breakout groups and met this Dan and Janessa and we'd never talked before. So that was kind of cool. Uh, can, can you give us, I don't know if we talked about this in the virtual lobby or not, but just a, a little background on how you and Dan ended up at Southridge, how long you've been around that whole story. Yeah, so um, I think Dan and I have been around for, I guess it's been just over a year now. Um, feels like longer than that because with the with COVID and everything that's happened, I feel like time has both been stretched and shortened. Um, but basically, uh, after Dan and I got married, um, we both came from two very different uh, church upbringings. He was raised CRC and I came from like a non-denominational uh, background. So when we got married, we were trying to find a church that we could both call home. And uh, we went to a couple different churches in the area and, you know, they were great, but it just didn't really feel um, quite like the right fit. And then we were introduced to Southridge, thanks to uh, our friend Kyle, actually, um, and started attending Kyle's life group and, and started going to um, the services at the St. Catharines location. And um, we just really enjoyed it. We really clicked with like the messages and really liked the community. And so we've been there ever since. What would you say based on your two different church experiences that you found either unique or unifying to the two of you about your first experience at Southridge? Oh, well, that's a good question. Um, I think like for Dan, um, the worship was a little different than what he was used to. Um, but sometimes you guys would sing certain songs that he would know and then I wouldn't know um, generally, like, I guess what I would consider older hymns. <laughs> yeah, more traditional um, songs. Yeah, sure. more traditional songs or like the doxology, stuff like that. Okay. Um, and then for me, it was, um, I, I really enjoyed the worship. And uh, I guess for me, the thing that was a little bit different about that was, um, you know, where I come from, a lot of people raise their hands and sing and dance and sometimes run around. So that was a little bit lacking, but I didn't miss it too much. Um, and yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah. I feel That's like there's it. a lot okay. of things, but I just can't think of all of them right now. <laughs> no, no, no worries. Hey, um, so you and I met, as I said earlier, in uh, one of these Zoom virtual lobbies during the early season of COVID. 
And then I hadn't really bumped into you until the springtime when we were doing our It Takes a Village series and devoting the three mornings to hearing from BIPOC voices. And on the first morning, uh, we were celebrating, I believe it was World Indigenous Peoples Day. I know we celebrated both World Indigenous Peoples Day and National Indigenous Peoples Day. And we had someone do, for the first time ever in our church community, a land acknowledgement. And you were that face then on the screen doing this land acknowledgement. I thought, whoa, that's amazing. Um, walk us through the story of, you know, you ended up at Southridge. All of a sudden, you're in this role doing this land acknowledgement on World Indigenous Peoples Day. Uh, walk us through that journey. Yeah. Um, honestly, when I look back at it, it's like, it just feels like it's, it's so interesting to try to, for me to try to put the pieces of the puzzle back together as to like how I got into the spot that I'm at right now. Um, but I guess I feel like it probably started um, last November. Uh, Dan and I kind of led our, our life group through like a month long um, journey of learning and listening to Indigenous people's stories um, in the land that we now call Canada. And during that time, I made like an offhand tweet about doing the blanket exercise. Um, and the blanket exercise, if you don't know, it's this exercise created by Kairos that walks you through um, like 500 years of history in a couple hours. So you really get like an interesting perspective on uh, the impacts colonization had on Indigenous peoples. Um, so I made a tweet about that. And then uh, Mike Krause saw the tweet and ended up connecting Dan and I with Nate Dirks. And so Dan and I ended up chatting with Nate a lot and ended up becoming part of the uh, Southridge Good Relatives team, uh, which is what we like to call ourselves. And then um, after a couple like months of discussion and back and forth on certain things, there was just this one afternoon where Nate called me and just wanted to chat about doing a land acknowledgement. And uh, it kind of, I was initially very freaked out. Um, but then I talked to a couple people and talked to Nate a bit more. And then, yeah, we just went with it. And it was really cool. It was a really cool opportunity. Just to dig into that a little bit deeper, mm -hmm. as you were preparing like how much work was that to, to lead up to that? Was that something that you could just shake out of your sleeve right away? You knew exactly <laughs> what to say or did you like, what, what was the process once you agreed to do this? Um, I'd like to say I could just shake it out of my sleeve, but I am not quite that talented. <laughs> I, I kind of, I drew on like a lot of books that I'd been reading. So at the, during the time that I wrote it, um, I went and borrowed uh, Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmer um, or Kimmerman or something like and um, I feel like the way that she talks about the land in her book was very impactful and powerful for me. So I just drew on, um, I guess, her sort of framework for talking about the land and wrote about about that and then tried to talk about like um, the original peoples. I, I listened to certain some land acknowledgments just to kind of get an idea as to like how they flowed. Um, but I wanted to make sure that I was doing it correctly. and. Um, you know, wasn't missing anything or overstepping. So I talked to a couple of my uh, First Nations friends that I have, one of them being my friend, um, Patty, and had her just like sort of assist me, give me some tips. Um, and then there was a little bit of back and forth with uh, the rest of the team just to sort of, I guess, fine tune it. And then, um, yeah, we filmed it and then everybody saw the wonderful finished product. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was super cool. I, I know our life group during most online services is kind of group chatting, texting back and forth. 
And uh, that got a lot of traction in, in our life group and was quite powerful. I know in my mind, you know, what, what I understood as land acknowledgements, I'd been in environments where there'd been land acknowledgements before, but they were pretty much just verbal declarations, mm-hmm. sort of verbal recognitions. Hey, before we begin, we want to acknowledge kind of a, a comments. Yeah. And uh, the, the, the physical experience of, I remember you had to sit down on the floor. I was in my basement. You had to sit down on the floor and just put our hands on the actual ground. Mm. Um, just the, the tactile experience that that was, uh, was quite memorable. And so I, I you don't know where all that came from, but that was super cool. Yeah, that was really cool. I have to be, I should be very honest and transparent about that part. I had a lot of help from this, um, doing the spiritual practice from Mandy. She's like very, she's so talented. She just like takes any idea you have and just like makes it great. So she, she really worked on that. Very good. Well, we'll give props to Mandy Casper <laughs> yeah. on the podcast too. Um, now I want to dig deeper into this team because mm-hmm. it sounds like you ended up doing the land acknowledgement kind of flowing out of your participation in this team that has become kind of fledgling around Southridge that almost no one knows about until this podcast. So hopefully (laughs) this provides a little more awareness to this best kept secret. You you called it the good relatives team. Um, What is the good relatives team? You described a little bit of how you got involved in that, but if you want to tell that story, you can like, what is it? Where did it come from? What's it supposed to do? Mm, Those are big questions. And I feel like we're, we're all kind of trying to figure out those questions ourselves too. Um, basically, uh, the good relatives team is a term that was, it was sort of coined by our friend, Patty. Patty is, uh, a local Anishinaabe woman who is part of the team. And I think when you think about like being a good relative, it just means loving your neighbor, you know, doing, doing what's right. And, uh, for each person and for each community, it can maybe look a little bit different. And so that's what we're, we're all trying to figure out. Um, And I don't know, like to be part of this like team, I guess it just means you're continually learning and trying to figure out what it means to be a good relative to the Indigenous community. And it's a lot of unlearning. It's a lot of relearning. It can be pretty hard sometimes. Um, How many people are part of this team? uh, uh, Right now, um, I have to count one, two, three, four, five. I think there's six of us right now six okay yeah. i was gonna say like is this 30 people is it no. two people is it... <laughs> no okay so there's like six of you who yeah. have the covert operative group yes. called the good relatives team that mm-hmm. is learning how to be or or what it means to be better relatives with the indigenous community mm-hmm. and what would you well first of all what do you do like do, do you meet once a month do you do you uh, do like book, you know, book studies or what, what's think, the actual, what's the actual work? Tell us how the, how the times together work. Yeah. That's a uh, classified information, Jeff. Okay. Well. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. Um, it, we, I, I don't think we have like a regularly scheduled meeting. We just kind of meet whenever it works out for us. Uh, usually Nate, Nate, like Nate Dirks um, sort of will organize when we're going to meet. I think we kind of try to meet once a month, but, Sometimes it doesn't always happen. Um, we've been meeting virtually for the past little while. Um, and when we get together, we just kind of, you know, talk about um, things like things that we can do um, to, I guess, assist uh, 
uh, the community at Southridge to sort of move forward in uh, relationship with the Indigenous community, uh, especially the one that's local to Niagara. And we kind of help, like, uh, when whenever there's a land acknowledgement in the service, um, like, the team, our team has sort of helped out with that. And, uh, yeah, I, w- I would say, like, I feel like um, the the two like indigenous people's day, like um, land acknowledgements. And then uh, the first one where we had like Cheryl bear and everything. I feel like a lot of that came from, I know there was definitely more to it, but a lot of it was guided by um, the team at the good relatives team, I suppose. Very cool. Um, Mm -hmm. And when you talk about this learning community, it sounds like the good relatives team is a learning community both for yourselves and then to try to discern what some of the key items of awareness or education might be that can then translate into our broader community. Is that a safe description of what this group does? Yeah, I would say so. Um, so so start with the team itself or even yourself, Janessa, as you've been part of it, what would you say that you've been learning so far? Oh, um, yeah, there's a lot. I, I'd say I'm learning that there's always room to um, keep growing. Um, I'm learning to try to be slower to speak, and um, I'm, I'm trying to learn when to talk and when to be quiet. But um, I'm still working on like the when to talk part because it's it can be it's hard for me to do that sometimes. Um, and I'm learning that you can just like learn so much from the land itself, even if you just sit and watch. And like I said, there's a couple, there's a lot of other, well, there's six of us in the group, so I guess there's not a lot, but there's other people in our group too. And I feel like I'm learning lots from everybody else um, and like the different stories and experiences that they bring to the table, especially from Patty, who I mentioned earlier, and um, our friend John, who's also in the group. And so, as I said, Patty is um, Anishinaabe and she lives in Niagara. And then John is a Stolo and he lives in British Columbia. So he is always, he always joins us virtually. Okay. And inverse question, are there things that you feel like the group is learning from you? What do you feel like you're bringing to it in in contribution? I don't really know. (laughs) Uh, Sorry. Um, I'm not sure. I, I, I'd honestly, sometimes it, it doesn't. And maybe I'm pulling a, a Moses here and saying I'm humble, but I really don't have I really am not sure. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jeff. <laughs> I actually don't really know. <laughs> That's fine. I just okay. thought, you know, if if you're there to learn, but also to teach, if there was like, you know, have you been making any recommendations or, oh, you should check out this book, podcast, whatever. Oh. I'm just curious as to the contribution that you feel like you're making. I appreciate the humility, <laughs> but uh, I'm sure that Nate has you there for a reason. And if it's if it's primarily on the learning side, that's terrific. Mm, yeah, I mean, I guess I've I've recommended a couple of books and stuff to like uh, Nate and um, to like Dan, but um, for certain other people in our group, they've definitely they've been in this a lot longer than I have. So I feel like they've I've I've been learning from them. Whereas like people who've maybe not been in in this as long as me, for example, I'm able to pass off certain things that I've learned I guess onto them or certain resources that I have read and found to be helpful onto them so cool cool yeah hey knowing that this group 
um, <laughs> secret but now not so secret group <laughs> called the Southridge Good Relatives Team mm-hmm. is is essentially a learning community to discern how to turn our church, our whole church, into a learning community. Uh, obviously, eventually, we want to engage our whole church in these kinds of conversations. And so mm-hmm. from your perspective, at least based on your your initial experiences in the Good Relatives team, because I know it's been maybe less than a year even at this point, yeah. but you know, based on your own experiences, what would you hope that our whole church would most learn about relating to the Indigenous community? Hmm. Um, I'm hoping that the church learns why uh, why this matters and why listening to the voices of the historically marginalized and oppressed is important. And I really hope that people learn how to listen because like when you just sit and hear something, it's one thing, but then when you actually sit and uh, wrestle with and think about what you're, you're learning, it's another thing. And I want people to, you know, really absorb it so that they feel it and they feel the impacts of it. I want them to feel angry. I want people's hearts to break over this um, because the way that Indigenous peoples have been and continue to be treated in Canada breaks our Creator's heart. So Jesus told us to take up our cross and follow him, and it can be really painful sometimes. Uh, One of the things that I hear a lot is Indigenous people just need to work harder or all they want is welfare handouts so they can continue smoking and drinking. And this happens sometimes, but I think people need to understand why this happens. You know, like it's not just something that they've chosen to do. It's a symptom of a bigger problem. And the problem being traumatic events that have happened to Indigenous peoples because of colonization. Like sometimes it feels like people have all these qualifiers for loving others or conditions for helping people, but God has no conditions for helping other people and he has no con- no conditions on loving other people. And that's great. So, <laughs> so um, let's imagine that you and the Good Relatives team have been triggering that awareness and mm-hmm. triggering that listening, that deep listening that's triggered broken hearts and understanding and empathy beyond what we currently know as a, as a community. You know, five, 10 years down the road, what is this going to look like then? What's it going to mean for a local church like ours to, to be good relatives and to have a strong relationship with the Indigenous community? Mm. I think um, for me, like personally, obviously I, I'm not entirely sure exactly how this will play out, but I think like continuing on like the path that we're on right now, it means coming alongside the Indigenous community and respecting their teachings and spirituality and understanding that they are the best people to make decisions on things that affect their community. It should be a relationship of reciprocity, like the church isn't coming in and just saying that they have everything figured out and they're just there to help because they already know exactly how to help the community. It should be more like, how can we help empower you and provide you with resources to grow and to heal or to like um, launch a language revitalization program, something like that. If the church enters into a relationship with an open heart and with open ears and a willingness to learn and to be respectful... I think that those are good building blocks for a healthy relationship. 
Um, of course, sorry, go ahead. No, think, go ahead. Okay. I think that churches also have to be open to some indigenous peoples or communities feeling maybe uncomfortable with the idea of being in um, a, like a relationship with the church and they need to be respectful of that because the church has brought a lot of pain to indigenous peoples over the years. And I think as a church, we really need to show that we're committed to the idea of reconciliation and change and putting into practice the TRC, which stands for the Truth and Reconciliation um, Call to Action. Yeah, I think, you know, from from my perspective, when I think about the church moving forward in this way, uh, certainly this is new territory and a world that very few of us have a lot of familiarity in. And so when you, when you talk about, I, you know, you imagine that there'll be some pain and discomfort and uh, I mean, that's going to be all over the place. I, I would say not even just with the, the indigenous community at the same time, I know historically that awkwardness or that pain or that discomfort as we've entered into bridge building relationships with other communities of people that have been formerly marginalized that to your point Janessa haven't been one directional oh you know let us from on high reach down and help you Mm -hmm. but actually what God stirred in our hearts is the value of mutuality the value of reciprocity and the friendship in that sense that that makes the difference and so while having no confidence, I guess, in the, in the sense of having no roadmap for how this is meant to, to, to move forward. I do have some hope and some optimism based on how God's cultivated that heart in us in, in some other environments. And I'm, I'm really excited to see us learn what it means to become good relatives and to function then in a good relative's type of strong relationship with the indigenous community. That's going to be cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, what, anything else you want to say on that? Um, I just think like, um, you know, we talk a lot about, uh, I guess like the church and indigenous peoples and um, a lot of it is like, you know, the church trying to learn about how they've, I guess, hurt the relationship between how like the relationship between indigenous peoples and the church has been broken in the past. Um, And it's a lot of like unlearning and relearning, but I also think, you know, there's like a lot that the church can learn from indigenous peoples. You know, there's like um, stewardship or creation care. Cause like in a lot of indigenous creation stories, which similar to like the biblical creation story, everything else is created before people. So the water, the land, the trees, birds, fish, and all the animals and people were the last to be created. So the, but the lesson that we learn from this is a little bit different. Western Christianity in many circles has taught us that this makes us Lord of the land or we have dominion over everything. Whereas in the indigenous narrative teaches that we are the youngest and the newest of creation and that we have a lot to learn from the rest of creation and a lot to be thankful for. And one of my friends has said that this way of thinking for Western Christianity was the error that caused all other errors which is maybe a little bit funny, but also kind of true because if you think about it and if you try to imagine that we weren't always trying to get to the top of the ladder first and instead we were keeping in mind like Matthew 20, verse 16, many of the first end up last and the last first. 
I think the world would probably look a lot different if the church viewed stewardship in this way, less of viewing the earth as something to be ruled or dominated and more of viewing the earth and creation as kin with lessons to teach us and not having the need to be at the top or in control. And I feel like that's something that indigenous um, communities really know and understand. And I feel like that's something that a lot of um, people in the church could maybe learn. Yeah, the First Nations community has a, a, a tremendous just way of being in touch with the land and with creation itself mm-hmm. in a way that you know, Western civilization, even Western Christianity doesn't. The, the, what's too bad from my perspective, you know, when you talk about in Genesis, the command or the instruction to exercise dominion, so often dominion gets transliterated <laughs> into domination. Yeah. Where that's not what dominion means. Dominion mm-hmm. means stewardship, which means caretaker, one mm-hmm. with. And uh, yeah, I, I, I was in a conversation, uh, sort of a, a session. It was a bit more formalized than just a conversation. It was a, a session with uh, John Johnstone. Oh, yeah. Who I know has been part of your your good relatives team from time to time. Yes. And uh, he talked about the difference between the the worldview of your home versus the worldview of being at a hotel. Mm. Where you go into the hotel, you're there for a period of time, you kind of live in it, but you kind of trash it, you know. And when you leave, towels are strewn all over the place, beds not made, garbage everywhere, whatever, because you have this mentality that someone else is going to clean it up. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was a powerful image to illustrate the, the, the difference between a exercising dominion stewardship caretaker who views creation as their home versus the domination that just uses the land for whatever, like it's a hotel temporary, temporarily that we live on. And it was yeah. kind of a powerful image for me. Yeah, well, that's really good. Kind of reminds me of like, I guess like, you know, some people um, have like more of a, the mentality that God's kingdom is yet to come. And some people think like God's kingdom is here already. So if his kingdom is here already, then you're going to want to, you know, be taking care of it and be treating it like home and not as just some temporary thing that is, you know, here, you're here one day and then the next you're gone off to like, God's kingdom. And I don't really think that's how he meant for us to actually be in relationship with like people in the earth. So yeah, absolutely. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. What I want, what I want people to hear and to feel who are listening to this conversation is that the, the whole reason we're starting to now dip our toe into even just learning how to be good relatives to the indigenous community is not to bring something to them one directionally. Hmm. It's not even for there to be an us and them, but Hmm. actually to cultivate a good relatives kind of family bond where in mutuality and in reciprocity and in, you know, an exchange of respect and humility and listening and learning, uh, we can develop a a, a legitimate relationship. And it, it thrills me that, uh, you guys and gals who are, are, are part of that 
good relatives team are starting to do some of the preliminary discernment around that. It, it thrills me with where God is leading our church in this way. Mm-hmm. As you think about it, you know, let's, let's look five or 10 years down the road. You know, what, what do you hope the future of our church looks like through these efforts and through the steps that God is having us take now? Hmm. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I really hope, uh, like, I feel like we will, but I, I hope that we stay on the trajectory of becoming more inclusive. It's, I feel like it's just like an ongoing journey. Like it's just not something that's going to be over just like, you know, your walk with God is a walk because you just keep, keep going. Um, I would love to see in the future, all of God's children fully represented, um, or more fully represented with everybody being welcomed um, with open arms and for people to really feel like they belong. Um, I'm not entirely sure of like the hows and whens or whats of the good relatives group, but I am excited to see how things will unfold because it's a, it's, it's pretty cool. It's very cool. And yeah, I want to be clear to people who are listening as well, that the, the point of this group is not to develop a 10 step action plan right now. Yeah, no, <laughs> just to listen, learn and be better relatives with, with one another. And so from there, yeah, we don't we have a secret that, agenda. <laughs> exactly. Um, but what you're talking about, Janessa, is just the, 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 the beauty and the power of a greater degree of inclusion and diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, give us a, an example or a story or something of, of where you've experienced this kind of beauty and power of diversity in your own life. Hmm, yeah. So um, a couple of years ago, I used to be a front of house volunteer at 541 Eatery and Exchange in Hamilton. Um, so if you haven't heard of 541 Eatery and Exchange, it's basically, it's a nonprofit cafe on Barton Street East. And they have this uh, system where you can pay it forward uh, with buttons. So each um, button is worth a dollar and anybody can use five buttons from, there's a button jar. Everybody can use, anybody can use $5 from the jar each day and use it as uh, $5 towards a good meal, which I think is it's pretty sweet. Um, so being there, it was very cool. Um, um, a lot of the tables at the restaurant or cafe were like bigger and harvesty style so that people could all eat together and, and sit together and they could all come to the table and share a meal and talk about their day or just like sit in silence and enjoy their food. But the really cool part about being there is you'd see there were all kinds of people. You know, there were people from uh, different walks of life people who could afford to donate buttons, like you'd see somebody in line who would maybe buy like a hundred buttons or sometimes they would empty like the button jar buy like 300 buttons. And then there were people who were in line who were maybe had been waiting in line for like 20 minutes. They would just hang back and come and check the, the button jar to see if there were any buttons that they could take to buy a meal. And um, it was just such a cool environment to have all sorts of people like that in in one room, just like eating together and sharing together. And it really reminded me that at the end of the day, we're all people who just want and need to be loved. So yeah, yeah, it was a a very sweet place to be. Great picture of the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, where the scriptures talk about every tribe and tongue and nation being one under God. Mm -hmm. And that continues to be a, a direction that we believe God has us on and are thrilled uh, particularly in this way with the, the way that this good relatives team is starting to form and learn on our behalf. We're, we're excited for where God's leading us. Um, as we wrap up, Janessa, any, 
anything we haven't talked about that you want to share? Any final encouragements or challenges to our members when it comes to the ways that God is leading our church for the future? Yeah, I guess I would just say, you know, be there, just be willing to listen and willing to show up. And maybe don't just say like, you'll pray for us. Like prayer is really important, but sometimes what we need is people with their boots on the ground who are there and willing and ready to work for change and to be led by the creator and whatever that looks like in their lives. Amazing. We're going to look forward to that. And in the meantime, probably look forward to you uh, delivering another land acknowledgement sometime soon. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> hey, thanks for, thanks for joining us today. This is your first ever podcast. So you're now a podcast yes. star. Uh, <laughs> really appreciate you sharing some of your early experiences here and love that you've jumped in with both feet to be part of this team. This is really terrific and it's exciting. I know it's exciting us as a leadership and I'm sure exciting so many of us who are listening to this conversation today and had no idea that God was even up to this around here. So I really appreciate you taking the time and to all of you who are listening, uh, we hope that you're thrilled by this as well and we'll continue tracking along uh, with where God's leading us as we continue finding our way together. We'll see you again in a week. Take care, everyone. 